This is the 18th of April, 2017. Joining me as always, Dan Miller. Hello. And special continuous guest. It's almost not right calling him a guest. It's almost not special anymore. Well. (laughs) Tom McGill joining us uh, on this this show that is quite special. Um, We've been waiting to talk about uh, Rogue One. Mm -hmm. And so tonight's the night. And we've all come together recently and watched it in the... Voyage of the Geek Cinema Complex. <laughs> Cinemaplex. And uh, we watched it in 3D. Yeah, we did. We did too. Um, so, yes, that's what we've got uh, planned for the evening. But um, before we start, gentlemen, tell me your overall impressions of um, um, the, the cinema experience without talking too much to the story or anything um did you enjoy it as a film this is the popcorn quality yeah the popcorn quality yes i thought it was bloody excellent i totally enjoyed it as a film for me it's always rewatchability if i can watch a film multiple times that's that's the benchmark so uh, i saw it twice at the at the movies and again the home theater. So you watched uh, 2D at the always, yeah. In the movies, always 2D, 2D, and then 3D here. Yeah. Any noticeable difference to, to the experience? Yes, yes. Because mm, maybe it's because we are visually effects minded, but mm-hmm. I always think about the th- the, the quality of mm-hmm. special effects. So when I see a film that has lots of special effects, it, I, I sadly, sadly suffer from having to uh, judge the quality and takes me a little bit out of the story yeah. and the same goes for when you watch a film that is uh, post in, transferred into stereo in post mm-hmm. you look for telltale signs you want to judge the quality of the transfer um, what's it called the conversion, trans- conversion that's yep. right and so there is you know you sort of try and pick pick shots mm. and uh, yeah found plenty of those that, that where you think oh it, it, yeah. The uh, the uh, the conversion, which is when you film the film with a single camera, and then later on in, in post production, you you add depth. To mm-hmm. That means you have to re- you know to create parallax. You need to recreate backgrounds that you have to paint them in. And uh, where in this film, there's a lot of I guess uh, I guess the director likes filming with a with a shallow depth of field. There's yeah. lots of depth. He lo- he's got great. There's some. Oh, I wish. I wish I had prepared for some great camera angles. Mm. I don't know if anyone of you have, but this film has some fantastic oh, yeah. camera angles. So Gareth Edwards is great at, at, at f- putting his shot together. I think I think um, I can sum it up. My experience with the 3D in this film is that there was the wrong director. I think he could have got away with this guy as the director shooting it, shooting it in 3D. But for conversion work, mm. wrong guy. 
because he's such a guerrilla filmmaker at heart, he's looking for those opportunities for foreshortening in, in shots and to have things in the foreground, um, depth of field blurring in the background. That's a nightmare for conversion and even yes. for seasoned conversion people. You have to understand with stereoscopic conversion too, it's really quite an artistic, creative process. You can't just uh, give the task to anybody and get them to recreate every shot in the movie in 3D because you've got to go in and actually understand depth and how camera lensing works and, and then you've got to make decisions about what is lying on the same Z plane and things like that. And and, and if you're having a defocused shot, there is foreground elements yep. where the same, you know, you put your finger on the screen of the movie mm. at the edge of the blurred character and your finger is touching yep. pixels that are both in the foreground as well as in the background. Absolutely. And creating that in, in, a, in, in a conversion later on, adding the depth, and uh, it's, it's not to mention it's explosions and debris and lasers and I know, was impressed by those. I was really like impressed by some of the the debris that flew f- through shot mm. in in the explosion shots. Do you I think I th- maybe there's that, CG. That was well done, possibly. And then they re-rendered for the other yeah. for the other eye. Some of those difficult shots must be tempting to get lazy on as well. There's probably a lazy temptation so that you yeah. could sort of say, ah, you know, we've <clears throat> only got so, so many hours in the day, we've only got so much budget. We'll just do a quick, pretty quick, yeah. you know, 3D. Just chuck a coming at you thing in the front there, well, and you do the conversion on the on the original footage, you know, before all the composited elements get put in. Mm. So all the you know spaceship, well, space scenes are 3D anyway. But even down on the ground when they're in uh, in Jeddah and there's a ATST, there's a walker going through or the tank. Something oh, was a tank. Pra- tank would have been a model. It was, would have been pra- practical, practical thing. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, background explosions, everything that was added in post is not not a problem. But then there's uh, most notably there's a shot where director Krennic is being booted off the Death Star by Tarkin, mm. and he's standing there and they're having their last argument, and he's surrounded by other high officers of the Empire, and uh, they're looking at him. Yeah, but you look at it in stereo, and you you could definitely tell that some eyelines weren't the depth wasn't quite right where the guy was placed in the 3d space was not quite where he was standing in real life because his eyes weren't weren't directly looking at krennic just looking past him we'll we'll come back and touch on 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 3d a little bit later when we talk about technical side of things um but one or when we do come back remind me to tell you about i've since seen it not the whole film but enough a big big enough chunk about 20 minutes of it on a 4K telly. Mm. Um, and even though it's not a 4K version of the film, just the the way it come, comes together in the frame, it's, it's a totally different experience to me. You guys probably had the luxury of seeing it in 2D first and then 3D. Mm. I saw it in 3D first, mm. I, and I hadn't seen it in, in 2D until I saw a couple of... I, and I, I still haven't seen the whole film in 2D yet. Uh, but I can tell you it was a totally different experience seeing everything. Uh, normally, we watched a, a film the other day recently, um, uh, Moana, in 3D, so we could make some technical assessments about what this thing looks like in that in that space. And immediately we recognised the distances between things. The actual, the, the sets had scale. Mm. Every, everything has scale. And it's the same if you watch Avatar or anything that's shot in 3D. Um you get this immediate sense of, of scale and distance between the objects and the characters and the background. Um, conversion just never seems to catch that. Mm. It just never seems... And in fact, you're losing scale if it's done wrong. 
So I'd prefer to... I think I'm going to stick to my rule. I broke my rule buying this movie in 3D. From now on, I'm going to stick to it. If it's not shot in 3D, I'm not going to buy it in 3D. I'm not going to watch it in 3D. Mm. We should go and probably look for some glaring errors and try and point them out. Mm. Or, you you yeah. do get the option, though, don't you? On most of this... I don't, I I don't have 3D, but usually the few movies that I bought on 3D, I also had the option of having a 2D version. Yeah, but it's yeah. more expensive to yeah. get. The, yeah, yeah. And, and you don't tempt it. You, I don't want to tempt it. I don't want to... Because I think I may have corrupted my experience of this film without any without a good enough reason I should have seen watched it first the way it was shot um, but anyway we might come back to that so let's talk about the um, let's talk about the story who wants to lead off what did you think of the story as Star Wars universe's first standalone film they're still calling it a standalone film mm. and I guess I guess story. it is <coughs> it Star is Wars a story yeah it's a it's a standalone story that's right yeah I suppose it does stand alone um, what did you think of it um, uh, I suppose the, the first thing that I liked is that it didn't suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a bit of a strange way of looking at it. But, yeah. uh, you've you been know, burnt. Yeah, you've yeah. Been burnt. You've been burnt before. And so, yeah. Standards um, change. So, that was the first thing, that it didn't, stu- uh, it didn't suck. Um, yeah, the other, th- other good thing about the story was they came up with some really brilliant ideas, like the, you know, how come the Death Star has this... Um, obvious weakness yeah. where some yeah. idiot in a spaceship can just blow it up that easy. Yeah. You know that was excellent. That was uh, that's that's the main message of the film. I think is somebody said it's the the most expensive plot hole to <laughs> plug ever ever made. Two hundred million dollar plot plot, yeah. uh, plot plug. Uh, yeah, plot hole plug. Yeah. So so there was that, um, which people weren't really. I mean, even the diehard fans are like, well, I could see it. Like it's an exhaust pipe. You know, you you shove something up an exhaust pipe that <laughs> has an effect for like it, it's not a big stretch to accept that you could set off a chain reaction. It's not ridiculous, mm. and it's yeah. it's a Star Wars yeah. universe. You know, we're not bringing t- we shouldn't bring too much science to this science fiction world. Um, but yeah, I thought the plot of this film really nestled in there nicely to the lore to the to background of. Yeah, it certainly fit in there. Um, So I think some of the other things that maybe we should talk about with it were it was um, a bit busy. Mm -hmm. It was quite busy, quite busy at the start. Um, Had a whole lot of characters in there. Yeah, yeah. I'll ask you about the characters in a a moment um, because you're right, there's a lot of them and there's a lot more character development in, in this film than... It's the nature. If you look at the Dirty Dozen or any of those war movies where you have a crew, you know, a heist movie is the same thing. You get a crew together. You get a team together. It's usually something between eight and 12 people. Mm. And uh, they all have to, the first half of the film has to put together their their background story. And, uh, you know, they they didn't do it for all of them. Some, Some characters in this team were not introduced whatsoever they were in the end on the beach and they were gunned down and you saw them at the end and they had really no function mm. Mm. others were sort of medium level introduced like mm. like you know the the guy whose oh, names that's the other thing well, this was the you thing can, was you can remember the names of some people <laughs> and they were the the ones that yeah. this was what I was going to point yeah. out if you can't remember the names of the characters you yeah. also got a bit of a yeah. you got a problem you got too many characters or yeah 
Or, or not enough exposition at the start, yeah. Yeah, and that can get a bit tedious at the start because there was a bit, um, <clears throat> not tedious at the start, but there was a bit of slow kind of, I don't know, introducing lots of people and going in lots of different places mm. and it didn't really sort of ramp up until the middle and then it sort of headed off onto its big sort of finale. Mm. Um, well, how about you, Tom, the story? We, you mentioned heist. Um is it a heist film or is it a um, or is it a dirty dozen? It's a it's a mixture. I mean, it's, I it's, it's a, a d- dirty dozen. Dirty dozen do the same thing. Yeah, they have film. to go somewhere. They have to find yeah. the plans or attra- extract the person. It's the same. Yeah. Same same formula. It's definitely a, a war film. Uh, but in the heist movie, they usually plan things. I was about to say that. <laughs> they usually plan the shit I was about out. To say of that. It. That's what was missing. Yeah. No, the meant- plans the plans were on Scarif. They had to get them. <laughs> yes, we don't. Ne- yes, we don't need a plan. We're going for the plan. <laughs> yes. What do you mean? Who's on second? <laughs> yeah, that we'll was get the plan when we get there. Yeah, we will devote an entire right the- now because yeah. somebody ran off. <laughs> yeah, that was the plan. So this I'll movie will probably get a, a prequel at some time. It is a prequel, which was the plan. It's the planning movie. There is for a this, for this. That's what's missing out of this one. We just keep getting... They're all just sitting around a table, scratching their heads. (laughs) What were you saying, Tom? No, they definitely ran off half-cocked, and that was a bit weird. But that's common for kiddie films, I think, Mm. that, you know, the hero will get the support from his friends no matter what. And so here we have them running off and stealing a ship, and, and Mon Mothma... You know, quietly smiling to herself when she hears the news that yeah. somebody's doing something, even though we were voted down by the mm. by the rest of the <laughs> Republic or Senate, and uh, and then we, but then we have Admiral Moncalamari, Admiral mm. the Blue he Blue Moncalamari. He was awesome. Guy. Yeah, yeah. He was fantastic. Yeah, he was just. <laughs> yep, we will send the entire fleet up there and rescue those those guys. We don't know what they're doing there and why they ran. Oh, what how how good their plan was, but the story is very straightforward. Now, as Dan said, we've been burned previously when the prequel films came and George Lucas tried to make the story so convoluted that to this day I still haven't understood it. Mm, yeah. Yep. Uh, but you look at the original three films, this, this, it's understandable. You can follow along the film. There's no... Yep. Well, certainly no trade negotiations and... No tax No in taxation. No, no, no. So this is... Votes of no confidence in the Senate and... Kids move, and he came out and made a statement the other day that Star Wars is for twelve-year-olds. Yes, which your Star Wars movies or <laughs> this one? Yeah, um, twelve-year-old tax consultants. Yeah, and, and I, in in some way, I think this story is. Um, it's good that we didn't get a lot of that. We didn't get a lot of the the unnecessary politics of it. Just except for that one scene where, which reminded me of that scene in. Um, um, Braveheart, where he's trying to convince the the nobles to get on side, they're going to take on the English. Yeah, that's that scene that happened there, where you've got the a couple of the factions that weren't on board. It's no, this is our time to walk away and not mm-hmm. get involved. And then you got one or two key people that know all we need is one good sort of kicking the ghoulies of the bad guy and everyone will go oh maybe they can be hurt sort of thing mm. and I thought that squeezing that all into one scene was good because mm. they could have broken that off into fractioned uh, fr- uh, fractured little scenes especially this this scenario with the the general that it has this secret sort of thing going on with Cassian mm. um, no kill him you know mm. which he sort of blurts out to everyone later on mm. um, but I like the fact it was light on that. 
Yeah. Um, and focused more on, on the group. Mm. But yeah, the group was a little bit too many people to... It w- At the end, it was because they started... Because they have... You just two, min- two, two seconds ago, two pictures ago, there was the, the poster. And you have the, the main characters, which is about eight or so. You know, there's... Uh, there's Jin, there's Cassian, there's K2SO, there's the defecting pilot, then there is Sal Guerrera, who I don't know why he's on the poster, he, yeah, maybe. And then there's the dude who's not a Jedi, and there's Gunny McShootface. Yeah. <laughs> and then Director Krenich. Yeah. And so that's three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. But then at the end battle, suddenly they have this crew on board, and they, they're giving them their moments. Yeah. They're introducing some other. Yeah, Commando there, was a, there, guys. Was a young, there was a young black guy that was up in. He was hiding out with the pilot in the ship. Yeah, and they get and, their little and I stories. Thinking, they get followed. Why, why are you getting screen time? Yeah. Like I have no idea who you are. Mm. Are yeah. you related to somebody or? I don't know why Gunny McGunface and the the not Jedi dude didn't wholly take just steal all of the yeah yeah the scene there and the, and essentially make those guys just more more you know rebel store, stormtroopers yeah, they just trooper number three yeah yeah they just run off this way and he says attack that follow yeah. me go this way yeah. grab that thing yeah and there seemed to be a lot of them even though that <coughs> ship was pretty small there was quite a lot of them there um, so the development of the characters basically um, we we found there was a little too much development yeah. I thought that mm. there was... Or a little too much no, attempted I don't, I, I development. I don't think so. I think what you might be saying, perhaps, is attempted development of too many characters. Yes. yes. When really it was a bit shallow. Mm. Um, mm. We didn't get a lot of background on a lot of people. And if you think about a character arc... Yep. Who changed? Well, I think the... the and I, I, I think you'll understand what I'm saying when I say it. I think Cassian... Cassian She's the main character of this film. Mm. Even though it follows her because it's her mm. dad and whatever, mm. really he's the interesting guy. He's the compelling character. Mm. Now, it goes to the, the one of the reasons for that. Let me bring up... Um, do you know who he is? Have you ever heard of him before? Diego Luna? No. Diego Luna is... Um, he's a Spanish megastar. Um, now, he's a pro- 27 producing credits... He's got uh, six directing credits, 53 uh, films he's been in, or, or acting credits. He's written three, uh, and these are, um, let's see some of his, uh, so you can see there, he's prolific. He's cranking out three or four movies a year, um, and he is considered in Spain as, remember Trudeau? Um, that got brought out to star in the Close Encounters. The the French guy. Mm. That's his name, Trudeau. Mm. Don't know. You know the French guy. I know the French Close, guy. Close Encounters. Yeah. He was the same, but in French cinema. Okay. He was this guru. He was a director, writer, mm-hmm. actor. He was a who's who. He was one of the most awarded. That's who this guy is in Spanish, in Spanish theatre. Um, and a lot of this stuff here is um, is. You know, elite level. Yeah. Um, and so he comes on board with this incredible uh, acting um, power, and he commands the screen when he's on screen. And I thought it was fantastic. The moment mm. a good guy in a Star Wars film shoots a, another guy in the mm. back at close quarters, like he's he's got his hand on his shoulder, mm. shoots mm. him in the back. 
that's a moment in a Star Wars film that you've never seen before. Mm. And I looked at uh, that to me, woke me up. It's like, oh, hang on, what are we watching here? And it was awesome. You know, from that point forward, if I was following him throughout the film, it might have been a different film for me, you know, because I was on board with him a lot more than whine, whiny Mac don't want to play pants. <laughs> that, you know, that throwaway line where she says, um, um, you know, no matter where you, someone says, no matter where you go, there will always be a, a, a imperial flag flying. It's okay if you don't look up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is trying to establish that she's not made of the right stuff, whereas he's made of the right stuff. And it was good, and um, to see that you know that the rebellion isn't squeaky clean. They're not yeah. made of you know pure. It's war. It's super. She, you know, she starts out in prison. I mean, she has been mm. fighting and rebelling since she, since all her six, life. And he's the same. He's but been fighting she, since she was six. He, she's been surviving. That's how I heard it said the other day. And it made made a bit of sense to me. I think she's pretty used to <coughs> to being a rebel, being yeah. somebody who doesn't do, you know, who looks after herself. And she ran, she was taken in by Sol Guerrera. So she, uh, her mother gets shot and she hides away in a mm. deep little hole. And there's a shot where she gets rescued by him and she... You know, you look up to the thing and, and she looks up at him and, and gets rescued. And at the end, when they have that conversation, when he talks about the flags and and she says, oh, it's okay if you don't look up. Mm. And his reaction is a bit offended at that point. And she was, I think, yeah, uh, referring to that point. She was actually insulting him at the time when she said that, mm. rather than saying, I'm, I'm, because she's not used to cowering in front of the empire. She's used to fighting. Yeah. But she was uh, picking on him because he, he deserted her. He left her somewhere on a planet. And so he was definitely driven, right? He was yeah. totally driven. He was like yeah. eyes on target and he was... He was invested. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she, yeah, just didn't seem as focused. Especially once the dad died as well. Like it was yeah. hard to find. And even when she, you know, gets the message and then, you know, she then becomes sort of incorporated into the, the whole bigger picture. Yeah, I still didn't feel that, you know, she was... Um, she was leading the charge. Mm. She was like being dragged along because I'm, you know, you know, have to do this. Mm. Or dad, something or other. No, I think dad told me to. She wanted, you know, that's <clears throat> that was her, her her motivation was find find dad get mm. back dad back out of there. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was, um, and she wasn't really joining the rebellion. She was in it for yeah getting getting her dad. Yeah. And so I can imagine that because she doesn't trust anyone, she takes her hand weapon. She's not giving the hand weapon to Cassian, even though he wants it. So she's staying apart. She's not becoming part of the team, and she's in command. Mm. I, I I could relate to that. I could I could see that that she is, you know, taking charge and and commanding things because she does not want to just follow blindly people that she doesn't trust. Mm-hmm. So just before we leave characters, who was your favorite character? Oh, favorite! You got to pick a favorite. Oh, oh well, I think I'll 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 pick the one that everybody picks, which is the robot. K two. Yeah. Yep. Um, I agree. Although, um, I love the shooty McGun guy. Oh, he had nothing to contribute. But man, he was a good shot. Oh yeah, oh, great. He was <laughs> awesome. He was awesome. So was K two S O when it came down to it. But I also like the the defector. I I think that was a great addition, having a pilot. Yeah. And he was. A I don't know, he played well, the actor played him well, he was a, you know, he was just a dude, he was just yeah. a pilot, he he knew to lay some, how to lay some cable and, and flew a spaceship and that's all he was ever asked to do. I think there's some he was behind the scenes, yeah, yeah, the, he good. seemed 
sketchy, you know, about... And plus he had his brain sort of uh, tampered with by the big octopus thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, th- I remember seeing some behind-the-scenes where he sent Gareth Edwards, the director, 30 little videos of him portraying that character in 30 different ways. Mm-hmm. I think he was in New York or something and he had an afternoon or an evening to himself or whatever and he just kept sending he managed to get the phone number of the director <laughs> well this is before he was yeah, before he was given the given the, this was his audition yeah, yeah and he just kept sending these videos <laughs> or I could play it like this and he just does this monologue to this to his mobile phone so he must have had the script and then sends it and it, and or I could do it like this and he keeps sending yeah. these 30 different performances until finally someone I think the director wrote back and said look you've got it you've got it let's just calm down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought he was a, a pretty good character as well. But yeah, you, you can't go past K2. Mm. Um, for an emotionless... Well, there was a lot of emotion in a droid that has no eyebrows or yeah. no um, standard centres for emotion. You used True. to have eyebrows? In the original first designs, oh, really? they actually yeah, yeah. gave him eyebrows because they wanted him to... Mm. And then they... It didn't fit. It wasn't Star Warsy. Yeah. Star Wars rope. No, no droid in Star Wars has eyebrows. Or yeah. they all yeah. have these blank, stiff. And so what they did, they gave him the, the eyes that could rotate. They could swivel. And like C three POs, which are stiff. Yeah. His can actually rotate a little bit, and ah. the pupils can change. So he can, he can do a little, uh, quite a lot. It. He can yeah, do quite can, a lot with that. You can actually. sense the performance there. Plus, there was a lot of these moments where his head was put in poses that was so non-robot. You know, he was sort of driving, and he would turn. And he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't face the person he was talking to because they're back here. Mm. But he would turn <coughs> like mm. this. And that's so human, mm. isn't Alan it? Alan Tadic took lessons from from Mimac. I think it was Mimacus. Yeah, I think it was Mimacus. Uh, prepar- preparation yeah. for this role so that he could actually use his entire body to, to tell the emotion because yeah. he couldn't use his face. Mm. Well, this is his second film as a very famous robot. What was his other one? Oh, yeah, iRobot. He, he was the he robot, was the robot in iRobot. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was brilliant in that as well. He brought that life, that robot to life through his performance on the set and the capture performance. Um, so he's, he's no dummy. He had something to do with Big Hero 6, our TV series as well. Well, mm. anyway. He might have been a, a character in Big Hero 6. Uh, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of voice acting. Yeah, yeah. Dudek's awesome. He's got <coughs> a, a series that I haven't seen yet um, where he plays an actor a sci-fi actor that does the circuits the the signing circuits oh, and yeah, whatever yeah. so sort of taking a piss out mm. of the character that he's actually become <laughs> so now he's actually doing this so, I mean it mm. was, his claim to fame was the um, before these this film was um, Firefly yeah he was the pilot in, in Firefly Emisor. yeah and if not for him, Firefly would have been a very different movie as well. He brings a lot, I think. Um, so, yes, I, I have to agree, Tom, uh, that he was my favourite as well. Did you have a favourite uh, character in the film? <laughs> well, Tom went for the easy answer. I'll go for the other easy answer. <laughs> my favourite was Darth Vader. I was going to say he's got to be on the short list because we see him like we've never seen him before. Oh, in his vulnerable state in the Bacteria tank. Well, no, no. Well, that, yes, absolutely. In the that. bathtub. Um, like like father like like father like son like father didn't the son get in the back to tank as well yeah Luke Luke yeah yeah, yeah Luke does that's right. yeah, yeah. yeah that's right um, the I saw a video the other day where someone took the the scene where he's carnage in the in the hallway mm, mm. and then 
very next shot is him facing off against Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah, yeah, start, yeah. It's like, what happened here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he pulled two hamstrings and, you know, it's like, yeah. But even because in they the, really are just waving. Just low on batteries. They're just waving it at each other and every now and then they go... <laughs> no, but even in the in the hallway thing, I thought they did that because he's not, he, did, he saw him, uh, Anakin versus Obi-Wan on Mustafa, the yeah. final big battle where you have two Jedi in the prime of their life, mm. uh, the best amongst the best trained Jedi and you see the backflips and you see them doing s- somersaults in the air and the most acrobatic maneuvers yep. and now he's Darth Vader with chopped off arms and chopped off legs and everything is sort of a bit stiff yeah. and he's old he's 40, and 48 or and so in like the in that even though it was awesome you know the lightsaber turns on and there's the rebel soldiers mm. wetting their pants he doesn't move much no, he uses right. his he force uses he just force walks lot, he just he? slams him up slams mm. him in half and then cuts a bit he doesn't move much yeah, he's, he's right, already because stiff when he, when he meets Obi-Wan really there's no point in using the force against somebody that's so strong with the force it really comes down to Red Little well, Media have the answer to this yeah. you know they take the highly choreographed Phantom Menace fight with um, Obi Wan and yeah, yeah. and Qui Gon Qui Gon against um, Darth Maul, and it's like this highly choreographed one two one mm. two double two and then they you know they cut to Darth Vader and um, Obi Wan just kind of staring at each other yeah you know and he says you know it's it's not about that mm. it's not about that. And the, the 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 laser the laser sword duel in um, New Hope is not about that. Yeah. You know, it's about those two characters like staring each other down and well, past it, history. And if you if you get the the audio track from Phantom Menace for the lightsabers, and you take the audio track for the lightsabers from Star Wars, one would sound like. And the other one will be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know that really cool resting lightsaber yeah, sound. Yeah. So here's a theory I have. Yeah. And yeah. I, I developed that when I saw the Return of Revenge of the Sith or whatever. Yeah, the last one where the yeah. Chancellor gets arrested by four Jedi uh, and yeah. he immediately mows the first two down without them even yeah. turning on their lightsabers, right? Yeah. And. The way I exp- and I, I'm sure there are actually people who know exactly how that went down. How can he possibly do that? But my theory in my little mind is that the Jedi, because they can't, they have telekinesis. So he actually telepathically freezes those guys. They can't move. Uh, he's yeah. he's got them sort of bound, and before they can free themselves, they just pl- he, he, yep. he prevents them from actually moving. And that is my theory for Obi-Wan against uh, Darth Vader back then. They're doing it in their mind. They're using their, mm. you know, they're too old and too, <laughs> too yeah. They're just sort of slowing each other down. They're all sort of moving through honey. Yeah. It doesn't even have using to be the as, it doesn't even have to be as explicit as they're using the force. Mm. It can just be that they're just like meeting each other and it's like, yeah. you again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're just like thinking. Yeah. You know? Well, Lucas broke his own rule, right? Which he's done many, many times. Um, he came out with a statement very early on that th- the laser swords, you know, they weren't commonly known as lightsabers um, as much as they were called sort of laser swords. They had so much power that to wield it took two hands and they weigh. A lot because mm-hmm. you're literally harnessing this power, mm-hmm. um, and that's why you have to use two hands, and that's why it's not a very uh, switchy. So he explained it. He explained yeah, okay, it a long time enough. ago, twenty that's years ago. Enough. He explained it, and then he came out and totally 
pissed all over that. And he was the guy that came up with, he was the guy that greenlit the fight scenes from, you know, and made them into ninjas and things like that. I'll give you another angle. I liked this. Oh, so like the, two well, two-handed sort of weapons. Samurai. Just, he, he went from samurai yeah. to ninja. Right, exactly. And I'll give you another and he angle. stayed with samurai. I'll give you another angle. You know how um, Lucas did take some elements from Kurosawa? Yeah. Right? From... Um, Seven sh- Samurai. Not from... Well, it might have been from Seven... That, that's not the one that I'm thinking of. Oh, shit. And I can't remember the one that I'm thinking of. Where he got R two D two and C three PO from? Yeah, the the lowest on the food chain tells the story. Yeah, like it's yeah, the, yeah. Through the Two eyes, peasants and there's a through giant the eyes of the lowest on. common denominator. There's another one, um, Senjim, uh, Yojimbo, Senjuro. There's yeah, essentially a bodyguard um, thing. It's a, it's a kind of a western. Anyway, the way that that ends is with the two main samurais mm. that we've been following through the whole thing, and they're both very good. They're both very, very good, and they can both cut down ten guys in a in a street fight. And the end battle between them is they just stand in front of each other, mm. and they just look at each other. Yeah. And we, we and then Kurosawa just cuts back and forward and back yeah. and forward, and the tension rises and the tension, and they don't move at all yeah. until one. And it's like you know the showdown with the Western where one yeah. tries to pull his gun. But it's with sword. So one one of them tries to pull his sword, and our hero just went yeah. and just kills him. Once, once. Yeah, 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 yeah. Game over. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you've just described the last scene from the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. Yeah, yeah. They, they throughout the film, every all three of them. Yeah, three of yeah. them face off. They're brilliant. All three of them are killers, and they can take out fourteen guys. <laughs> That's at, at right. Once. And none of them are but running. right at the end. They're all, and it all comes down to these super close ups, and then <laughs> yeah. the wide shot, the super close up, and then it's just one shot. Yeah, yeah. The, who makes the first mistake is yeah. the one who's going to lose. Yeah, and they're not ninjas swinging off the buildings, and yeah. But yeah. I, I think that sums it up, doesn't it? That. George Lucas turned samurais into ninjas, and that's why we have a problem with the mismatch. That's yeah. why Darth Vader potentially doesn't link up there. I think it's pretty close. It's, it's okay. It, it's not like he was acting like a, you know, sh- jumping around and le- he wasn't yodering it up. There's it's, another problem uh, with the Darth Vader suit. Is this not, it doesn't have much flexibility, yeah. actually. And if, actually, if you, even when he's getting energetic and you watch him, because of the head and the helmet, yeah. he kind of walks like a... Well, this whole a, thing is all one piece. Yeah, yeah. It goes and, up mm, his neck and across here. Mm, it's all one piece. Yeah, it's it's made for so a more... Like <laughs> yeah, for more more subtle use of the Force. <laughs> you would love that. The, 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 yes. More of that, less of the. Hi-yah! I need a suit that's good for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or in this, what was it like? You did this in this. Yeah, yeah. That's this, right. So many memes out of that. Mine is this big, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the um, the cliched um, phrase that he uses when he does that too. Don't choke on, choke on your ambitions. <laughs> um, from my memory of the prequels, I couldn't remember Anakin being so pithy and witty, isn't it? It wasn't that Obi Wan that had all of the one-liners. I think he gets a lot of audiobooks in when he's hanging in that uh, Bacta tank. <laughs> That's a good one. I must remember. <laughs> he practices them in the goo. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about the film itself. We talked earlier. Um, let's move away from story a little bit before we move into technical. Let's talk about the film as a as a viewing experience. Was it a well-made film? I was watching a video. I think it is a well-made film. Um, I was watching a video um, and this had... um, 
um, oh, who's the director again? Gareth Edwards. 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 Talking about how he was making the film. And this was coming back to something we were talking about before the show because it was about why were some of the shots in the trailer not in the film, Mm -hmm. in the final film. We've already talked a little bit about doing reshoots and stuff. And he was saying how he was making the film is that they were filming it, writing it, editing it, cutting it, reshooting it, writing it, filming it, editing it, cutting it, all at the same time in this continual loop. Um, yeah. And, and and one of the things that he said was the way that he made the film, and we are talking about this before, is that he would pick out visual images. Mm-hmm. And one of them, obviously, is Darth Vader up the end of that corridor yeah. in the smoke with the... Okay. And then he'd pick out another visual image and another image... And then he'd, like, get his crack squad of story guys to link all of these cool pictures together. They basically created a story reel made up of images taken from all sorts of movies. Um, And the images represent either spatial relationship, camera Mm. angle. Um, So, basically, they cut together an animatic using shots from Mm. all these different films. Not necessarily Star Wars films. Mm. They were from all over the place. Wouldn't you love to get your hands on that? Mm. That would be a... For, for, this for shot there sort of is geeks. from just there where we had the guy with a, you know, the attack helicopter. Yep. So there are YouTube videos where people compare them to other films. This one's comparing to, I don't know, Thin Red Line, Hamburger Hill, something where people... Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Vietnam War film. There yep. are others where several shots are uh, compared to shots in Alien. Yep. Mm. Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um... And then, of course, from old um, Ralph McQuarrie concepts, got especially the, um, the the Darth Vader's Citadel. Yeah, the castle at the, the the lava castle. Mm. That mm. was an old, old Ralph McQuarrie original. And one of the best shots, I think, because Gareth Edwards is so great at at doing these, yeah, putting the camera somewhere and getting a great shot. There's yeah. these these. Uh, we just had one there with the uh, on your screen with the Death Star looming. You know, as seen through a planet's atmosphere and is rising huge above that. That scale, that is one of my favourite shots in the film. Isn't one of my favourite shots awesome? of, the, of the Death Star is one where they look up at the Death Star, like this sort of hero pose. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of one of the ones on the spaceship. Yeah. And they're looking up at that big disc and it's not looking at you, it's, you know, you're underneath it. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, uh, yeah. Well, not this one, but, you know, this type of thing, a nice big close-up of mm. the Death Star. I and think that the Death Star would have to be one of my... Favorite characters from, yeah. from the film, yeah, yeah. yeah it's uh, just for that reason, such good shots. We got to see it in so many different, unique ways. Mm. The, the eclipse, yeah, you mm. know, where it took perfectly. It didn't fire on on Jeddah City until it was perfectly in over the sun, mm. and then you see this green beam. So you're literally <laughs> yeah, seeing from the ground the Death Star attack. Yeah, and mm. no, no one's ever seen that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was outstanding. <laughs> So, yeah, that's, I think, you know, that's one of the strengths is that um, visual way of um, conceiving the story. Mm. And, yeah. So, anyway, that's why things in the trailer kind of didn't make it into some of the things because they kind of still didn't really know. They were still making it. Mm. It seems a bit of a crazy process, to be honest. I don't know if you'd get a a um, Pixar, yeah. you know, animation made that way. You don't go yeah, wrong no, no, with having a great shot, though, Dan. If you, if you're as a director, or yeah. you know, you you com- compose your shot, mm-hmm. that doesn't need to does not need to get mm. cut from the film. Stuff that needs to get cut is story stuff, mm-hmm. which is 
separate from the visual establishing shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, and and that's where these are great visual images of the of the Death Star, but no matter how you restructure the story, it's unlikely that they ever have to get cut out of the film. Mm, yeah. They are awesome things, and and one of my the best shots is the opening shot to the film. Yeah, I love that. Where because you're so used to a big star destroyer coming, and they all start the Star Wars yeah. films. They all start in space with a moon and the planet, yeah. mm. and then a star destroyer comes in, and he pokes total fun at that with yeah. uh, with a big triangle coming yeah. from the top, and everyone goes. <laughs> What kind of weird spaceship yeah. is this? <laughs> yeah, and, it, and then he flips it and puts you the tiniest little spaceship yeah. a long way away, just going across the surface of a beautifully, you know, beautifully yeah. um, created. That we the the whitish ship is flying across the dark part of the rings, parallel to the actual Terminator or the mm. shadow from the planet mm. that was cutting across it. Mm. So it's flying right on the it's flying on the dark side, and you don't see the rings that it's flying over, but you can see the absence of stars. Mm. So they continue. We, mm. It just, it, it took, it, you had to look two or three times to work out, what am I looking at here? Yeah. And yeah. then when you realise, yeah. oh, this is so really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that, that is really cool. And I did like that. So um, so it was a well-made film. Um, I, I, I agree with that premise as well. The lensing, um, what he did, I think I've got it here. He they used digital stock, um, so it was an Arri Alexa sixty five that it was shot on, but they sourced some original lenses from the original Star Wars oh, cool. days, and um, so they had the Hawk sixty five lenses and the uh, Panavision APO Panatar lenses. So it has a it has a feel, right? So realistically. When when we look at film, there's there's the lens, there's the stock, there's the development process, right? Now, when when the when it's digital, the development process is a less less lesser part of it. Um, so the lens becomes pretty important. So when you're shooting in in 1970, 1980 sort of lens technology onto a digital medium. That's the closest you're probably ever going to get shooting digital to that original feel. And I think they pulled it off. Like, I really do think they mm. pulled it off. I didn't see a lot of noise being added to the... You know how I've often complained about they they add noise in post mm. to make it feel filmic? I didn't see any of that um, when we watched it. So, I think that lensing's decision went a long way to making something feel like it could exist in the timeline and without too much of a difference there. You know what? The, the one example that I'll give you that I think it was a well-made film. Remember when Krennic parked his car way over there at the start of the <laughs> film? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. At first I thought, well, that's weird. And then I started to think, people don't do weird with $200 million budgets. Why would you do that? And then you think, Krennic's not there to abduct them. He's there to entice them back he wants them to come back to the family. You know what I mean? He doesn't... He, yes, he turns up with some badasses behind him. And he is a maniac, right? But he, he sets it up. He puts distance. He doesn't land in their front doorstep and mm. kick, kick the door in. He he gives them lots of time to see him coming and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a common sense about it. But by doing that, you get this wicked 
opportunities to do some really good um, establishing shots, some really good, the, the big strip of green, like he's farming yeah. some kind of organic shit on some planet that clearly is not growing anything, mm. and he's got it growing in this strip, you know, with the evaporators and whatever. Um, that makes for some really contrasting cool stuff just because they got him to park a little bit further away and we got to experience that and uh, those strips that 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 particular part of the film was shot in Iceland mm. and there are no green strips and they didn't put the um, the vegetation there when they filmed it they added all that sort of stuff afterwards digitally Did they really mm. Just even the stuff they were standing in. No, probably not the stuff they were standing. But you have patch. some, some, you know, some close-up shots of the characters, and you see all the, you know, several hundred, the the, the big shots mm. where you have huge areas of green, yeah, foliage that was added digitally. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it gave an excellent opportunity to, um, yeah, just see those, those guys, you know, coming across, mm. you know, and you know, you can set up some things like. You know, inevitability, you yeah. know, that these guys are coming and you can't stop it yeah. and it's going to happen and whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to do it soon. And we're going to, yeah. we all have to ignore that the establishing shot is Krennic's ship flying. We see her running, the mm. little girl is running, mm. and then over her shoulder is Krennic's ship flying at about 60 or 70 feet. Yeah, that's right. And we all have to ignore <laughs> the fact that. Did no one in the ship see the little girl running across the black landscape? <laughs> now we're landing the ship. There's lots of buttons to be pushed. Anyway. Speaking of buttons to be pushed, yes. I like how they kept the you know the design aesthetic oh, the look, of, yeah. of everything, and I like how you know you know the spaceship still had the the um, the two forty you know p you know yeah. um, vector graphics you know and the the, the The Empire has the exact same graphics, but red. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the good guys have got the green, and the, the Empire's got the red. And this is a, this is a universe where like Windows was never invented. Yeah. You know, they just never got off the ground very far with computers. <laughs> and <laughs> the, technically, they it's almost like they're in the dark ages, wasn't it? Because we couldn't we couldn't just Skype it up to the ship. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to climb up a tower <laughs> people were died and all this shit it was all about getting some data from here to here so clearly they all use Telstra as well <laughs> yeah they're on dial up um, it was incredible how much of a problem the whole comms thing was and to yes. ultimately wind up on a disc on a, on a little floppy disc. disc and they yeah. transfer they, they, they trans they beam it up and it arrives very quickly yeah. and then they transfer it onto a little, little disc and she transfers it onto RTD2 so the data pack can't be Yeah. You know, they, 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 they. Well, if you look at it in New Hope when they download it, it's just like this vector graphic yeah. of a, like a Death Star that rotates. <laughs> 120 it's, kilobytes. Yeah, yeah, it's some arrows. Like, yeah, it's got like, like 32 polygons on it. This is a big, big hard drive with a single 128 kilobyte file. Yeah. It's basically a sphere. Yeah. yeah. You could have just drawn You guys it. take it from there. See this big, long, trenchy thing? <laughs> yeah. That's it there. Yeah, yeah it's a sphere. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was a bit funny, the whole tech side of things. Um, all right, so uh, let's talk technical. Let's talk um, um, positives uh, on the technical side of things. I'll put it straight out there. The floating, um, or the whole Jetta sequence in general. So first of all, we get to see a Star Destroyer hovering there mm. above the city, which mm. I thought was cool, mm. and casting shadow over the whole city like that. Um But the explosion, you know, when the Death Star takes out Jeddah, yeah. for everything from how how the the beam hit it, 
all the way through to how the land was coming up in that big wave mm. till we ultimately see it from space mm. where it's right up in the yeah. right out of the atmosphere mm. Yeah. Mm. and and the, when you see that out that atmospheric shot you can see the clouds they, they, they've got upper atmosphere clouds in a ring but out from the uh, from the site um, all the clouds are all different mm. it's so they've it's almost like the the explosion affected the atmosphere around the that area mm. stunning yeah they certainly put a lot of detail into that and if i had to sort of suggest which was my favorite you know vfx shot i suppose yeah i was thinking about this earlier today and it was the big nuclear explosion what about you the nuclear explosion at the, uh, at, at Vegeta. Vegeta. well yeah yeah both of them really not but the, the romantic the, one at the end <laughs> yeah the happy one at the end the one that just <coughs> took off i loved the fact that krennic is is on this platform that they deliberately left him alive mm. he's on this platform that just happens to catch a glancing blow of the main beam from the Death Star before the beam hits the base over here on the horizon yep. and you just see this the top of the tower just getting taken out <laughs> no. and you know he was on that he yeah was on that thing. I thought they didn't milk that enough they should they have showed had him stand up, yeah. dust himself off, stuck glowing <laughs> green. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and then look around and then like, oh shit! With a little green laser pointer on his, <laughs> on his forehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he quite literally got hit point black by a death star, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest amazing, weapon in the universe. It's amazing death. Yeah, they could have milked that quite a, quite a bit more, <laughs> especially if he like didn't realise, you right. know, and he's talking on the phone or Can something. Was on that? That is uh, Jedi City. Yeah. And it's such an odd place to put a city, isn't it? You have the entire desert, but then you put it on top of a a very limited amount of space. Mm. So why are the walls so high? I'm not sure. Well, before we I know it's a Jedi um, sacred place. Yeah, that that, that pillar at the end... Is, the big one. uh, Is the... It's like um, the two towers in The Lord of the Rings. This Mm. is the light tower and Darth Vader's... Citadel mm. has the same shape, oh, and that's the dark equivalent to this Jedi Temple here. Um, but cities grow, and this mm. city cannot grow in width, <laughs> right? No, right? So as more and more people go, they either have to grow up, mm. which is lifts you know every generation lifts the city a little bit higher off the ground, which might explain those yeah. really really tall walls, well, they or they in. have to dig into into yeah. this entire mountain. Yeah. Um, okay, little quick history trivia thing: Masada mm. in Israel. I mean, this is actually real. Mm. In the sense that, oh, the, the yeah, yeah, Masada in Israel it looks exactly story. like this. I love mm. the story. And living that. on top of it were a bunch of religious dudes who the, just and the Romans built the ramp. You can still yes, see. The, you can still had, see the ramp from space. Yes, they had oh, to wow. build a friggin' ramp. The to Romans get up there. They, they wanted to get them out. Mm. Is that a problem? Um, no. Well, it's um, Windows Ten trying to get forceful with their updates. So we're still broadcasting. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still okay. <laughs> Come on, you want to do it. <laughs> you want to do an update? You want that update. You know you want that update. <laughs> Fuckers. Um, so yes, no, the whole Jedi sequence was pretty cool. It's mm. from memory. It was shot all in Jordan. Um, there's Wadi Rum in Jordan, which was planet Jeddah. And uh, Jordan in general, so there was a lot of sites in Jordan that were they, that they shot a lot mm. of this mm. this stuff. Mm. It's perfect for it. Ca- mm. Lots of um, uh, canyons, uh, lots of dirt. You know, not <laughs> a lot of organic going on there. I like the, dirt. the the occupation, the imperial occ- occupation of this very 
dense mm. uh, town with, with narrow streets so the uh, the tanks you know the tank has to squeeze itself <laughs> oh, through, through that town why they need a tank in such a confined space you don't that never was clear to me you can't even turn around the bloody thing the ATSTs and uh, and the Viper droid did you the, see this guy the, get his head blown off at any point or is that just no his? he has no head <laughs> What? He's one of the. Ca- he's actually in the. There's a, a book about um, the visuals of the film. He's yeah. and it has characters explained. He is in the book. Uh, he has no head. He's been. Uh, he's just that. That thing at the top. There are servants in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. They're the the, the decraniated. They're called. And they are. Di- you know how Lobot has the computer mm. that it just enhances his his oh, mathematics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, here they're the decraniated and 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 actually, um, Doctor whatever. The friend from Walrus Man, Ponda Baba's oh, friend, yeah, yeah, Doctor yeah. Ezra, whatever, Ezri, whatever. He's a he's a you wouldn't think by looking at him, but he's a he's a, a surgeon, um, a uh, beauty beauty surgeon. What's oh, it? really? A, a, a cosmetic cosmetic surgeon. surgeon. Really? And he performs. This is the guy that gets killed by Obi Wan in Star Wars. Yeah, ha, ha, arm chopped off. He gets killed. I think Ponda Baba just gets this arm Wars, chopped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, he. Uh, so that guy on the right, behind the tank, is a police guy, and oh, okay. he is actually on Jeddah because he's trying to arrest those two guys. These two guys? No, uh, Ponda Baba and Doctor oh, uh, oh, okay. Professor Professor Doctor well, Mac yeah. Shitty Face. And um, there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, there's there are characters that are actually yeah just in this little little shot there, the guy without the head, uh, but in the book. He gets a whole page, one A4 page dedicated to his backstory. So yeah. they must have had plans for him in the film. Yeah. There are shots like this with the rebels. That's, that was never in the film. No, so I can't remember. They must have had that. shots planned for characters that they that they didn't use, just like they did with uh, The Force Awakens. They're, they're, they're action figures that you can buy from characters that never made it. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, well, you can buy a, a, there's a, a snow speeder because there's an entire chase sequence that happens on the snow planet mm. with um, Ray and Finn remember they have to go somewhere else to shut something down that allows Han and Chewie to get in to lay the explosives yeah vaguely well to go and do that there was a whole speeder chase bike two seater speeder th- you can no. buy the toys right but you can't mm. see it. there's no f- nothing in the film so I think that happens a lot Tom that does happen a lot yeah it makes it interesting because everybody in this film, a lot of people said, oh, this is going to be the film where we see the Bothans. You know, Bothans for the first time, which people got confused because Bothans stole the plans for the second Death Star, not for the first one. Yeah. But in the first trailer where you just see this huge character with this hairy arm, mm. that was that was what I thought. That when I saw the trailer for the first time, I thought, oh, that must be a Bothan from behind because they're big, hairy beasts. The big, white, hairy ones? No, no, you didn't see any Bothans in this film. We still haven't seen them in any of the movies, I think. So I swear there was a shot here that... Um There's a, one of Sol Guerrero's cronies. It's a big, sort of looks like a wampa, a little bit. Wampa uh, with yeah. a face mask. Yeah. That creature, but uh, that's not a Bothan, no. There was a shot with a, a, um, an X-Wing crashed in the street. Where was it? Here. That one. Yeah. There was a lot of this going on in Jeddah. Yeah, where did that X-Wing come from? It's. I think there was obviously was some there? kind of battle. For, There's nothing well, probably mentioned the battle that we... for Jeddah. Um, yeah. Well, we just saw um, pilots being taken prisoner, and I mm. assume that was on Jeddah. That so, must have been part of that, yeah. So that's all some backstory that might have been, thing that was cut out. Yeah. yeah. 
So what did we think of the Death, death Troopers? I thought they were pretty cool. Yeah. I liked what they did with the audio. Mm. For the, that you couldn't really Made understand. them more menacing. Yeah, you couldn't so really understand more. that there was this mechanical sort of And com- the fact that they're so thin and skinny, yeah. emaciated. Yeah. They looked they looked freaky. They looked scary. I don't like their faces. <laughs> no. <laughs> you tell them that in their face. <laughs> They've I got that they... big grill on the front, and that doesn't work for me. Look at this. Go back to a stormtrooper, and you got this kind of shark mouth yep. sort of dude. Mm. And then even Darth Vader has that kind of motif. But if you go to these guys, it just looks... See that thing, the central yeah. grill? Yep. Looks no, almost a bit a like a Cylon in the middle there. They mm. had that grill in the middle oh, well, well. as well. Um, so where did we get to? So technical moment. What about you, Tom? We we've said Jeddah. Was there a technical um, something technical in the film? I did like the the rain sequence in the chasms at night, the way they had to fly. Mm. Literally, I didn't know how it was going to work. You got X wings coming in and attacking um, the platform there in such a tight confined space, but it seemed to work not too. I mean, that sequence was pretty. It was pretty full on. It, I think it worked pretty well. Yeah, it's a scary little rainy planet, but it's nothing too... I mean, the, the memorable pieces are the big, big yeah. sunshine shots. Yeah. Technically, I have one more thing to add to Jeddah. Mm. Um, the, did you know that the models that they used for the ATSTs in Jeddah and also the Viper droid were taken from uh, Star Wars Battlefront? Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Straight out? Like no, not straight out. The, they, were, the they took the models and then they based these models off those. So they modified them for film. They did, did modify them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's a, there seems to be a, quite a link now between ILM and, and game, you know, game techniques and things like that. Um, you we've get a mentioned 3D, 3D artist to make one of these models and they'll put a huge amount of effort in it to get it right. So mm. you might as well not reinvent the wheel. Yeah, if you have something that, I mean, just like with Tarkin, they... they 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 had his his mask. They had his, his um, yeah. original scan. Original. Well, his um, mask from, cast. The yeah. cast from his head, which they mm. based on, and they they sculpted him in mud box and okay. layer as well. Did they really? Yeah, not mud not box. everyone uses headbrush. No, well, that, it was all done in mud box. That explains everything. <laughs> I get the feeling that this was a bit of a shoestring sort of a budget. Well, it is very very. That was very expensive to re- redo Tarkin, and they had a big budget. But at the same time, Gareth Edwards is somebody who's very used to managing his budget. He's made some really impressive films with very little money. Mm. And he's the guy who films uh, um, Godzilla and then still runs off an afternoon with his Canon D5 and mm. shoots something on the back lot on the Canon D5 and puts that in the film. In the film, yeah. So, and he had, a, he had the choice... There was um, They were making a model of K2SO, a head, just a head puppet, so that they could use it on set... And um, at some point, he made that decision whether he should have that or whether he should use that money in post-production. Mm. It can't be very expensive to make, you know, the, mm. the robot head. It could mm. be a few, few thousand dollars. Yeah, so yeah, if he yeah. has to make those sort of decisions, am I going to use that money here or do I see, save it for later? Yeah. Then, yeah, you're right. He, he, he certainly is, is frugal. I, I think it's in his makeup. He, um, I told you that he... He single-handedly did the visual effects for a two-part Attila the Hun BBC documentary. Yeah, yeah. He was and yeah. like single-hand, I mean single-handedly. And this movie, uh, this this documentary had battle scenes. It had um, tens of thousands of um, warriors around campfires with tents and things like that. And he's just a guru at 
looking at the elements and being able to put them together to get the shot and keeping the cost down. Mm. And, and it must be hard. It takes that out of somebody mm. when you give them $200 million. Um, mm. Yeah. Did you think that the... Um, just if we stay on just a visual effects just for a bit more. Mm-hmm. If, did you think that the spaceship scenes at the end were too much? <clears throat> because one of the... Never. No, no, no. One of the criticisms that I had, and I think other people had as well, was for, from the original... Um, not the original, the, the prequels. Yeah. I think in, like, the second one, maybe, I can't remember, um, the spaceship scenes were just too much. Mm. There was just a thousand ships... And they're all going in different directions and there's more laser beams and explosions than you can actually yeah. process in your mind. That's the, the start of the third film. Yeah, yeah. Revenge but, of the yeah. Um, do you know who directed that? Uh, who? Spielberg. Oh, did he? The opening, that scene? The opening sequence. The opening sequence. For, for the Revenge of the Sith was directed by Spielberg. Yeah. Well. Lucas has publicly stated that and no one has ever said otherwise. Yeah, I don't know what you get. You see, the but opening shot so is like here. the opening shot is like just two spaceships from New Hope, and that I, is that equally as impressive as five thousand spaceships. I'm with you, man. It was down. It was. They it was joke reduced. about it. It wasn't so bad in this one at the end. That's is where I'm we got, to. we got our hero shots of some Y wings flying in and dropping some bombs, mm, and yeah. we needed to see uh, Gavin Dres and you know some of the some of the rebel pilots that we get to see that are ultimately going to die at the Death Star battle. Uh, so we needed to have focus on pilots and their ships so we can uh, make that connection to mm. a new hope. Yeah. And they didn't have too many so, no, spaceships going I, on in this case. And that's where I was going. I don't think they went overboard. They, they, they I put, thought it was good. Yeah, they put in, yeah. you know, You knew enough. what they, everybody was doing. There was a planet there that sort of made it. They used the planet well to allow you to understand where in space everything is. Mm. Yeah, true. They, they sort of used yeah. a, a, a false horizon. Mm. They didn't do that yeah, as well in Revenge of the Sith, which is what the one you're talking mm. about. Mm. Um, there's a running joke about Revenge of the Sith where the visual effects people said, we threw everything at that sequence, including the kitchen sink, yeah. and there is an explosion. Where you, where one of the pieces of debris is a kitchen, <laughs> and it flies off and it hits, it hit, the secondary explodes. On, on well, there's it. your problem. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's 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 literally visual effects people with their head up their own asses. They they, they need to calm down a little but bit. But there was story points at the end that I that I still find confusing, and that 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 is always an irk an irk in my ribs in this one or yeah in this one now going back to Rogue One mm. <laughs> in the end fight because we sort of maneuvered our way to the end battle mm. is the the planet wide um, ah the shield shield and the sphincter that holds it open yes the shield sphincter with the two uh, doors the, the two, two doors. things that must be made of something thick or special <laughs> or something and all they have to do is come down like this and block off the shield and everyone can go through so on theory way. one is the sphincter itself is the shield generator is the generator and then if you throw your crash two star destroyers into it it explodes and therefore the shield goes down yeah, yeah. alright well if it is the shield generator why does it have to have those bloody doors to keep it open yeah. why don't just turn that off just turn it on and off yeah. um, theory the other theory more likely is the shield generator is down somewhere on the ground mm. just like it is on Endor yeah. and the sphincter is really there fighting against the shield keeping it open just yeah. like it looks in which case you 
pour through star through two star destroyers through it, and that closes the shield. <laughs> yeah, no, it no, does no. not open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, now you have two star destroyers <laughs> raining down onto your heroes that's down right. below. That's right. <laughs> Which would have been a pretty good shot, actually. For yes, I love it. Um, what did we think yeah. about that though? The um, the stalled Star Destroyer being oh the hammerhead Corvette. The hammerhead. I laughed out loud when I saw that the first day in the movies. Bring me a hammerhead Corvette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing comes and Didn't we pack about four of those just in case? <laughs> he was, how good was he as a character? <laughs> though? He didn't have much uh, in the film, but every time he was on film, um, you're like, yeah, I like this guy. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> He's good. We should fight. He'd be, he be good to have a beer with. He yeah, was yeah, based yeah. on Winston Churchill. Oh, really? Oh, was uh, yeah, yeah. When they when they designed him, when they went through how they should act him, they yeah. they, they based that on yeah, him. Yeah, that's a good decision. I love the, and I, and the I love the, the, the the little uh, the, the cockpit thing that he was sitting in, where glass you know, bottom, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and the transmission would come up from the planet, and, and like he looks down he go, oh, and he starts talking to them. He's talking to them through the glass floor. No, no, I the radio's down there. there. Oh, you look like ants. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. Yeah, I reckon he's great. And then one of his underlings says, "We should get out of here." No, now is the time. Take it to the boys. And and the the movie needed a hero like that. Everybody was sort of. Um, not so much anti-hero, maybe a little bit anti-hero, but mm. a very under, sort of downplayed, um, heroic all, but not in that bravado sense. Mm. And he had the bravado that was really needed, which you would have to have in a. You need a general like that mm. for the troops to follow. He's a, he's a general Patton, Winston Churchill mm. sort of. Uh, I thought he was great, but yeah. yes, the, uh, the the sphincter thing is. Um, in some technical manual, they'll release uh, how that all works. Maybe. I and thought I, it was good. I, I love the way that when the ships hit the uh, the shield, they skimmed off like ice. Mm. They, well, mm. they exploded and then all the bits skimmed across the yeah. surface of it. I thought that was and pretty cool. I th- remember as a child seeing Return of the Jedi in 1981 at the cinema and uh, they attack the Death Star and they think the shield's down. And you know, there's the shield where 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 uh, so Lando Calrissian is in charge of the Millennium Falcon. So, oh, the shield is up! The shield's up! We're going to break off our attack, and it's a trap. And uh, I remember seeing X wings hitting the shield mm. and exploding. Yep. Yeah. I saw Yet now, when I watch that film now, I don't see that. No. Now they bounce and so break apart. Was that? So it's not just my imagination that I remember that as a child. That's actually. It, it, no, no, there was there was some that exploded, and I think some ships again. that were a little bigger than the next wing, didn't they? Was, was there some that couldn't pull up? I have up? to rewatch it now again, but I, mm. I I'm pretty sure that that mm. just like that shot where there's B wings um, attacking a star destroyer which explodes, which you saw on the package of the toys. Yeah, and I don't know if my memory is just faulty because I've seen it so many times on the on the package of the toys that I rem- that I imagined <laughs> that I saw it as a child. I was yeah. ten years old. So, did I see that really in the movie? Yeah, I imagine that I did. Well, yes, but the, the the shot where they actually the B-wings take out a star destroyer, which is no longer in the uh, in the in, in the movies if you see them now. Yeah, I'm not sure. And I'm not sure if that was in the in the when I saw it originally in 1981 or if it's just my my faulty imagination playing tricks. Well, the shield they could have learnt from their mistakes that this shield had its problems, so they upgrade because this predates mm. the Jedi shield. Yes, doesn't it? I didn't. I wasn't aware that the Death Star for Jedi was ten times larger than the Death Star from Star Wars. 
Did you? It was know? larger. I don't know how much. It's ten how times. Much? I saw a really cool animation someone did the other day, and it starts with um, a human, a Tie Fighter, and then it goes X-wing, blah, blah, and it starts to build until it finally gets to. And there are stuff way bigger than it. This is all from sci-fi. Mm. Yeah, all of the ships and and um, vehicles from sci-fi in order of scale mm-hmm. and they start getting mm. bigger and bigger and bigger and there's these crazy large stuff from um, you know manga type you know star blazers and all sorts of things that are huge that are much much bigger than a planet but it had uh, it had a, a Death Star like that from, from New Hope and about that big was the one from Jedi so yeah. I ran about 10, ten times the volume about 10 so times probably the size twi- twice the twice the diameter but 10 times the volume you mean no, ten times the size. Ten times the diameter. Well, if it's ten times the diameter, it's ten times the size, isn't it's it? It's bigger. Well, it's size and oh. volume. That that it's different. If, 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 it's, if its diameter was ten times the diameter yeah. of, the, of yeah, right. the original. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was, I never knew that. Wow. Did no, I didn't. I, did, I I'm not sure that that's true. I, I always I have seen them compared, and I've seen that the the Jeez. Jedi Death Star was probably twice the diameter, or maybe mm. three times the diameter of the original, but not ten times. What did you know? Speaking of size, sorry, Dan. Mm-hmm. While we're at, at spaceships and sizes, the calamari cruisers, you know the, the curved ones, the curved sort of elongated cigars mm-hmm. thing, and you know what the one um, that Admiral Akbar has in the Return of the Jedi, what what its name is? Mon calamari. No, that's no, the that's race. The race. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's home one, right? Oh, is it? Yeah, and the story behind those calamari cruisers is that they are so. This is an underwater race, mm. and these are the buildings that they used to live in. Which they, when they left the planet, transformed into spaceships. Oh wow! So that is their home. They live on those spaceships, and it, the the reason it's called Home One is because that's his home. <laughs> <laughs> there's some. Um, so they're they're yeah they're houses. There's some houses. pretty good episodes in the um, the two D Clone Wars, uh, the three D Clone Wars um, for Mon Calamari. That all happens underneath right the water. With the Jedi and um, the war, there's a war going on, and then the battle droids come in, and there's this shark type character. That's is uh, that is, is that where they where they where they where they Mon Calamari flee the I think flee so. the planet? Yeah, I think so. Well, at least that's part of it. That that war is is what starts that process, right? Um, and do or, they have the buildings there underwater? Do you see them? Do they yeah, see yeah, the cities? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there well, you go. Well, you see buildings. I, I can't remember whether they look like those, mm. but they probably would. They, yeah. they would keep a say the similar design. Sensibility, I would say. Hopefully. Um, okay, well, we need to touch on it, but we shouldn't harp on it. Tarkin. <laughs> Both. Tarkin and Leia. Tarkin and Leia. Respect. Do, do, do we do we approve, disapprove? I utterly approve out of, out of pure respect for the ballsiness of doing it. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I approve. Yeah, I think so too. Um I've got a couple of videos here if you want to flick over to me. I can. Um, so this is where we um, risk our... We don't need any audio. So. Real versus CGI. So this is Tarkin versus Tarkin. Oh, okay. So the video is not super, super good quality, but yeah, it just kind of shows... The CGI Tarkin versus mm-hmm. the. So we have him here on talking to Krennic, and there's the re- real one from New Hope. 
No, there is no, no that's that's, no, that's, that's the old CG. Oh, right. <gasps> he failed. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet. I'm so embarrassed. I, I'm ashamed. No, no, no. It's good when you get when you get confused. I'll tell you what I I think, and I've been watching this a little bit, sort of repeatedly. There are a few shots that are not as good as others. Yep. And it's mm. those ones that that destroy the illusion. Yep. The most, yep. right? I think on the whole, it's actually very good. And I think Tarkin was done very well. But if you look, I don't know, I've been watching this back and forth. So you can see the real actor versus mm. now. And this is going to, because I've got the same thing for old Princess Leia over there. Mm. And I think I've noticed something. And what I've noticed is... Quick, send an email to ILM. Let them know. I will. I will <laughs> send them an email and I'll say, I've solved all your problems. Send me a check. Um, the humans are more animated than the CG characters. This is my hypothesis. This human being mm. moves faster. Yes. And moves more abruptly and snappier yep. than the CG character. And then that's an acting choice because the CG character was it, it might have human. a technical Exactly. Side. This is where I'm going. <laughs> but it might have a technical the side because he's, he's in a harness as exactly. well. Exactly. So you want to whip around. And right. Are you going to ruin all the equipment? It's going to slide off your damn head. Yep. So, look, let me... Let me do it because it sticks out more when we look at um, Princess Leia. Um, yeah, this one I think is just Leia, right? Mm -hmm. So let's watch this very carefully. <clears throat> That's fine. That looks cool. Mm hmm. The, that's where yes. it goes wrong. Yep. And it's the damn actor. It's not the CGI. Mm. It's the actor underneath. Because they what I'll tell you, though, that what I just watched there with the sound down, yeah. that, looked, that didn't look like CGI to me. It didn't look like Carrie Fisher, right? It looked like they found some lookalike. It would have been better if they had. Because what I just saw there didn't look CG. Yeah. It yeah. actually looked like a real person. It just didn't look like Carrie Fisher. No, I swear it's the movement. Watch watch this, right? This yep. is actually Carrie, Carrie Fisher, Fisher doing a bit of acting. Now, watch her head. Yeah. Okay. Snap. Yep. Snap. Yep. Swing. And look at the angle. And it's always, always on a damn angle. Yeah. And she has this really cool stare. Watch. She'll, she'll shove her nose and chin forward mm. at Darth Vader. She's that's a bad helmet. See here, yeah. she sticks her head right forward and then nods and then mm. opens her eyes and then swaps over to the other side of the thing, uh, the other side. Now, so we'll just go back again and we'll look at Princess Leia CGI version. And we have to remember that there's actually a, a actor doing this. Mm. And I'll, I'll, what I'll say is her turn away turned towards the camera is rigid and wooden and her face watch this very look at that her her neck does not change its angle at all in relation to her shoulders and her shoulders don't move yep 
And then this facial expression here doesn't mean anything, mm. is the other thing. If you look at her in the Death Star, she's screwed up her nose and she's staring at people and going, what the yeah. fuck? You know, this doesn't mean, this is not, Yeah. it doesn't convey any meaning. None of it does. Yeah. Is she happy or what? Could be. It could be. It could be rather than a technical issue that the performance itself was mm. wooden. Yes, and so and I think if you think about the there's my new theory, the uncanny valley, mm. the the likeless lowlands as we call it on Rogue One, the likely like what is it? Likeness lowlands. Likeness lowlands. It's difficult to say. The likeness lowlands. But it, the likeness lowlands does have an upside yeah. on the far end of the lowlands the that, yes. that goes up yeah. towards realism. And I definitely think they're up on that other side mm-hmm. and they're going up. And I reckon it's the, um, uh, well, anyway, I reckon quite a bit of it specifically for Leia. Because I didn't, un- haven't understood why, it, why they look a bit uncanny. Because they did such a good job with mm. Benjamin Button. They did such a good job mm. with Paul Walker in Fast and Furious. So the technically they could be there, and I have always thought, well, what if what if Weta had done this instead of ILM? Could they would they have done a better job of it? I don't yeah. know. Imagine it was Andy Circus underneath, or even he wouldn't um, be afraid to be moving around. And I think they might have just, just the actor. Maybe does the act? The, they're two very new actors. I know that the Princess Leia mm. actor probably she and was chosen because, because, because she looks she like was a new one. He isn't so much. He's not a, such a new actor. But is he a new actor to CGI motion capture and stuff? Maybe. Possibly. So there's there's definitely see this stuff here right that's I think you might have hit on it before as well that if you've got 20 shots and one of them looks really bad mm. the trust is broken mm. as a viewer like mm. I I can't I now have to study everything, like, and and I can I can't just release and and trust that that's a real thing, because you've let me down there. My brain won't let it go. You're only as good as the, is, as the lowest. Is that potentially <coughs> part of the uncanny problem that is hard to crack? That you have to get it right mm. every. Yeah, but, but, but also, we are very scrutinous because we know, uh, you know, that uh, Peter Cushion is dead. Mm. We know that this is CG. We know how they do it. That also we are trained to look at visual effects and 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 judge them mm. and uh, a lot of my students that did not realize that this was cg certainly my kids who are 12 and 14 year olds didn't went through the movie not yeah. real not not there was nothing prop no problem at all that they had yeah. and i wonder if i wasn't already too well informed mm. whether i would have just gone with it and yeah. Not not thunk not thought anything bad. Well, Gareth Edwards tells a funny story about this because he's the, the, he was talking about the CG. So he's saying, "All right, we were trying really, 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 really hard, and it took us a long time, and we we're putting loads of effort in to try and make sure that this was believable and it would work." We then went to see um, person X Y Z about something and get her approval, and she had an assistant with her. Mm-hmm. And um, he says, you know, the moment that they they felt confident was when they were talking with Kathleen, what's her face, the producer, and she was saying, yeah, 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 it's looking pretty good, you know. And then they were saying, but what about his eyes? Do you think his eyes? What about his nose? Do you think maybe his nose moves too much? And th- and this this assistant producer is like. Why are they hassling that actor <laughs> about his nose? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's, he's just acting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just get off. And that's where they thought, 
what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> and she said, don't hassle his nose. Yeah. And he's like, what, what can he do about his nose? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's probably got so much. This It's a fascinating subject to study. That, you know, there are people that specialise in, in trying to crack the code, trying to work mm. out how to do this thing. And it may just be too big. It may be we have these prejudices. We, we, we have this predetermined in, um, inbuilt uh, mechanism that you can't break it. Like, I know that guy's dead. I can never not know that yeah, he's dead. Yeah, but that's only you special. You go in immediately knowing where, oh, okay, let me spot the, let yeah. me spot the. No, no, that's a special case. I mean, you could do some tests if you t- took this original Star Wars and yeah. you say, all right, this is all CG. Uh, well, one of the actors in his CG, yeah, you know, yeah, half yeah. the people would be like, oh, yeah, that idiot over the side there. Yeah, yeah. He, and that's what I mean. Like, how much of this phenomenon is has nothing to do with the character, has nothing to do with the skin scanning and the subderma and the modelling and the lighting and whatever. So much of it is the viewer is, mm. is built into the viewer that is unbreakable. Like you can't rewire those pathways. I think, like Tom says, if you didn't know that that was a CG actor, mm. you could be just like watching and checking out the background and looking at other things. And what I do know is we couldn't have could this straight film past. without Tarkin. Mm. Oh, it was so good that they we, had we, we needed to have oh, Tarkin yeah. in the film. Good didn't we? applause mm. and everything to them. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We we absolutely needed to have Tarkin. I could have done without Carrie Fisher. He could. I could have had the door open, the captain walk in the door, and the camera just slightly move around to reveal that she's looking out the glass, and he's walking up behind her with the holding at the disc. She didn't need to turn around. It could have just been a body double. Could have even been played by Carrie Fisher. In it that could case. have been played by Carrie Fisher. Absolutely. Um, the. I didn't need that. I thought that was visual effects for visual effects' sake. Like, I don't think we required it. Hey, did did Peter Cushing get a credit at the? Look at check an IMDb. Hmm. I want to know if he is actually credited in the in the film. That's a very good call. Does a dead actor you reuse? Then does his portfolio keep growing? <laughs> I'd say not. To be honest with you. Peter Cushing. Just by my sort of review of model I, I, I rights. I think it wouldn't. Yeah, it, would, it he, shouldn't. He gets, he gets credit for what he created, but he didn't create the, Well, Andy Serkis gets credited as playing Ping Kong, right? So he should be the, the British actor who played Tarkin, should be credited as Tarkin, not Yeah, but not what if Peter you put Cushing. on a moustache, right? And There's then no you credit. make a film and you say, I'm Andy Serkis. And you march up and down and you pretend to be Andy Serkis. Does that mean Andy Serkis gets a credit in your film no. because you're pretending well, that's to be right. Andy Serkis? That's right. That's, so that's why I'm asking. Is is <laughs> if Peter Cushion were in the credits, it wouldn't be right. That's right. He, he doesn't look like it. It's that's, not good. No, he, is, he hasn't got an acting credit since '86. Yeah, it's like uh, Tenacious D. This is just a tribute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's um, <clears throat> flick over here. That was a good video, Dan. Um, so very quickly before we and and. This is what will be uh, our new rating system is rent, buy, or set on fire. <laughs> yeah. Rent, buy, set on fire. Uh-huh. Okay, but we okay. won't get we, – we're almost there. I just want to have a look at some, uh, some numbers. <clears throat> it cost $200 million even. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, to the dollar, $200 million. <laughs> Um, See, this is Gareth Edwards, man. He knows this stuff. (laughs) Yeah, he's an accountant at heart. Two hundred million. It was five hundred. There's no tax in there. In the story, there probably isn't any tax anyway because they make. You know, when you when you look at all the studios that did the effects, um, 
and even ILM are in Singapore, aren't they? They're in they like India and Singapore. There's ILM. Um, so, five hundred thirty-two million domestic, uh, five hundred twenty-three million. And if you do your math real quick, you'll know that that is one billion dollars that this movie has um, made, which so far shockingly brings up this. It is now number two in the trilogy. Awesome. Or not the trilogy, but in the Star Wars universe, as far as films go, this one is currently sitting number two in the list with the only other film in front of it is uh, Star Wars Force Awakens. And again, I have to ask, is this uh, does this take into account inflation? Uh, these are actuals, but we can say 2017 go. This is the adjuster adjusting for 2017. Adjusting one is the more accurate one because... So it's sitting sixth. This is bums on seats, right? This is adjusted Not how much they ticket paid. sales. Um, this is ticket sales with the adjusted um, prices. So if you took yeah. 2017 prices and charged people that in 1978... Yeah. So it reflects more how many people actually yes. watched it. Yes. yes. Raw t- ticket sales. And that's what Star Wars at number one. It's interesting. Uh, absolutely. By by a considerable margin, yeah. mind you. But then again, Star Wars, see this down here. No, notice number nine, Star Wars Special Edition. Yeah. Why isn't that added to this? It's the same film. It's just a it's re-release. Not. Because when you mm. see in this list, when you see God... Uh, Don't say God, it's the uh, same film. Don't do that. Gone in, <laughs> yeah. What's the... It's gone, been re when you see Gone with the Wind, which always comes in that top five as far as all-time mm. grossing, yeah? Mm. The reason for that is they kept re-releasing it. It's like Beauty. It's like uh, Snow White. Did they keep re-editing it? Well, no, they didn't keep re-editing no. it, but they yeah. kept adding the money to the box well, office. It's the same film. Taking. That's fine. You reckon? Yeah, yeah. No, I concur. Special I'm with edition I can is not the yours. same film. You see this. <laughs> because no. in this Star it's Wars list of movies, in it. there's 17 films. Did which, you say the special edition of Banta Pudu? It it's got more Banta P- <laughs> Pudu in it. Too much. There's apparently some Attack of the Clones, the IMAX experience, which uh, did a healthy 12 million. But okay. yeah, um, I, th- I thought to, to hold its own in this list here is not too bad. Um, I'm glad it's before the prequel, well, before most of the prequels. I don't know why the Phantom Menace is up there. Probably because of the opening weekend and Everybody yeah, because, went, yeah. And there was a 20-year gap. In because the yeah. build-up to The Phantom Menace was awesome. And it was 20 years long. It was great. But, yeah. Absolutely. So, the um, the other notable is, as a prequel film, nothing, nothing uh, beats it. It has made more money than any prequel film ever yes. in box office. So, and, and that's uh, Prometheus, Paranormal Activity, there's Hannibal Rising, you name it, down that list. It's holding its own uh, <laughs> as, a, as a prequel film. So it's one of the most box office successful prequel films of all time. That's awesome. Yeah. I like. Uh, and they made sure there's not going to be a sequel because all the characters are dead. Just wipe all the, all the good characters, all yeah. the good guys are dead. Yeah, all the new characters that were introduced... Got it's the bad guys the end. That, that carry us through to the next film. And I it? like that decision, man. I like that decision. I think there should be more tragedies in uh, film. And, yeah, I like it that they're going to cut it off. And, yes, so this, is, this is a promise. We're not going to milk the shit out of this to yeah, you yeah, yeah. and tr- sell it to you as a Christmas special next year. So one last thing before we give it a, 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 a rating. <clears throat> Music. 
This was not a John Williams film. Now, I heard things. What'd you hear? That the music was done in like four weeks or something. Yes. Or well, John Williams does his films in four weeks. But it wasn't John Williams. It was some other dude. But I mean, doing it in four weeks is not uncommon. Like oh, they, okay. Because normally a film is still editing up to four weeks out and they have to... I mean, they write a lot of the motif. They, uh, uh, Surely you can't themes. do it in four weeks. You've got to get an orchestra and all them violins together. And I don't think they're writing it in four weeks. I, well, think, they're, I think they're producing it in four weeks. I think the point was that it was done quickly I had a meeting the other day with the um, the Canberra film uh, Canberra music festival organisers and mm. the, the, <clears throat> this guy um, Roland very knowledgeable music type mm-hmm. said um, in relation to we we said well, well you, you're going to need X amount of time to for the for the orchestra to rehearse he said if I've got an orchestra that can't learn how to do something in three rehearsals they're never going to learn in 30 that's a fair point. So I think that's how it works with this shit. When you turn up with the music, you stick it in front of these people, they study it for a couple of hours, they play it through twice. They have a cup of coffee and go home. Because that's their art form. They mm. can read it. You you would know. You you, you look at the notation arrangement and then it's really hand-eye coordination to that based on the fact that you've played so much already. Hand-eye coordination is not much of a problem Honestly, that's if all you, you do. If that is your, your bed and brother, bed and brother, your bed and... It's a totally different story. Bloody, bloody uh, vodka. <laughs> yes, this is a this is a children's show. Uh, who's, so in, who's in bed with their brother? Keep it clean. <laughs> Keep it clean. It's too much Rammstein. Monkey's uncle. <laughs> so you're doing that for a living, yeah. and you sit there from from you know nine say the work mm. day nine to five. Mm. As a professional musician, you 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 play that perfectly after yeah. three days. Absolutely, and you would score uh, dozens of films in a year. I would say probably at least 10 or 12 films a year you might be playing on. So the the actual process you're used to as well. I was shocked the first time I found out that they did, because um, Williams did Lord of the Rings music. As no. As, as far as I'm aware. John Ho. Did. Wasn't it John Ho? No, I thought Williams did. Cause I think because Williams got shirty because he, he literally Howard said. Howard Shaw. I must Howard have. Howard Shaw did Lord of the Rings. I must have at least this amount of time. And what's his name? Jackson didn't give him that amount of time mm-hmm. he showed up late sort of thing and he managed to do it anyway but I got a feeling he might have might not have had anything to do beyond that so what did we think of the music though I can't hum the jingle no <laughs> I can't I can't hum any of the music mm. we were talking before I can hum yeah. Indiana Jones and well, you've spent years years and years listening to it too and um, six movies even even take the prequels out you spent three movies how many times did you see so Empire's probably your favourite, right? I like New most, Hope, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and New Hope, yeah, absolutely. But how many times did you see it? Oh, loads. So in the in close to 30 as a, yeah, as, yeah. As a minimum throughout your whole life, probably 30 times. That's how many times you heard that, and then you heard it on the trailers, and then you heard it on the... On the spoofs and everything. Yeah. And yeah. that's John Williams. He knows how to make a riff. Mm. You know, he you know that... That, mm. that uh, UFO music, that's just a couple of notes, but it's so iconic. And mm. you can, Jaws. <laughs> you know, it's just two mm. notes. Um, that's what he does. But you're right. I couldn't for the... If you played the music for me tomorrow, I wouldn't know that it's from this film. Michael Giacchino, who, who composed it, did thread in a lot of the themes from the characters. He's the Darth Vader theme, which we all, you know, he took I could, a lot I of John Williams' stuff were those and put those there. things yes. in there when those special characters came. But yeah, the Felicity Jones theme, I, you couldn't, you wouldn't know. You know, you recognize Luke Skywalker mm. when you hear it, but yeah, you wouldn't. But maybe after after 
after 20 years of, of watching Rogue One, you would. Maybe. All right, gentlemen. The time has come. Rent, buy, or set on fire. Well, you've already bought it. Rent, buy, or burned. I'm going to buy it. So it's a buy for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a buy, yep. and it's a, and it's also a buy and a rewatch yep. for me. Yep, it's one of those ones where you actually rewatch. Oh, it. ones that you buy and also watch. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not just buy and sit on your shelf and say, "Look, I own oh, that." That's special. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the definition—that's a good way to sum up the definition of buy. I think is rewatchability. Mm. You would never buy anything you weren't, weren't going to watch at least a couple of more times. Yes. Um, my collection, everyone, everything in that collection that was bought for me. For, has that mm. that I, I've got to see it because why else yeah why otherwise there's it? no point um, and rent really doesn't exist anymore so that should really be pirate <laughs> buy yes would fire. I pirate yeah put that in the I list I don't want to buy it but I'll download it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you have to just you have to explain <coughs> what the difference between buying and pirating is in terms of quality because these days you yeah you download Blu-ray quality yeah well you're not invested you know yeah, you wouldn't spend money on it. You don't get special features, yeah. but I don't buy... I sometimes buy them for special features. Usually mm. I buy them because I wanted to see the movie. I'm not and willing to spend money on it. Y- our time is too expensive to, to us, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things we would like to do. If I'm going to sit down for two hours and, and invest, it's got to be the good quality. It's mm. got to be the good quality sound. Did, just on that, on the sound. I've never heard of this, and I haven't been keeping up. This, the sound mix of this was IMAX 12-track. What does that mean? I don't know. How many tracks have we got now? Like, I knew we had 7.1, but we now got 12? Is there 12 tracks of audio that there is IMAX something special? No idea. I'm going to have to check it out because it's 12-track digital sound. That's, that's, look, that's what it says here. Six tracks for each year. Yeah. 12-track digital sound. What happens when you click on the link? Oh, it probably gets really (laughs) wordy. Popular oh, twelve-track yeah. digital sound title. Oh, it's modern. Beauty and the Beast do it. Yeah, Kong it's Skull Island. That's it's a, it's a recent thing. It's everyone's really doing it these days. Too. Volume Guardians two. of the Galaxy, yeah. Justice League, Doctor. Oh, oh, nobody knows what it Avengers. is, but everybody's doing it. It looks pretty yep. new. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So I'll learn a bit more of it because now that means I've got to go and buy more speakers. <laughs> I've got to get twelve more speakers. <laughs> twelve more speakers. Okay, so it's unanimous. Uh, we're all buying it. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was there's little instances here and there. I tried desperately not to um, corrupt my opinion of the film because of my connection to the original property. I have a problem with your your mates um, over at Red Letter Media because they have that issue in a big way. Sometimes to the ignorance of new things fact based stuff mm-hmm. um, I like them I like what they say and they've come up with some really cool theories about certain things mm-hmm. but also they have they are probably the ambassadors of the original trilogy and they, they had if they had their way there would be no other films and I get it I mm-hmm. get why they do that but we don't live in that world we live in a world where we do have these films and I'm not just going to shove them out the door just because they don't match what you loved it when you were five mm. Um, so I had to do that. I had to, I had to force myself to do that. I've mm. got to set that over there. That is a different era. It's a different time. I thought this film was done really, really well across the board um, on every level. Um, so it's a big thumbs up for me, and I hope they make many, many more of these spin-offs in that universe that we love so much. Any parting words of the film before we sign off, gentlemen? Messages for anyone that perhaps hasn't seen it or... Well, yeah. I think 
have gone through the end of this show without having seen Rogue One. They don't need to see <laughs> they it. Don't, they don't want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave people with a warning that this show contains spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Before, you, before you listen to everything yes. that you've just listened to. Just remember it's got spoilers. Yeah. Spoiler alert. All right. That's, uh, that's it for another show. Uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen. What is your